Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, I've got to start with the major spoiler alert because we are covering a new title today, so know that going in. I will be joined by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan, as always. We've got to shout out our longtime sponsor, our friends Radar Toys, right here in Eugene. You can go to RadarToys.com, get free shipping in the U.S., and save an additional 10% using the code BATFANPOD. Now, we are also going to talk about, at the top of the episode, Evan's new podcast. It's not related to comics, so if you want to get straight to the book, go to 8 minutes and 30 seconds. Otherwise, uh, we appreciate you sticking around. This is the long-awaited follow-up to one of our favorite titles, the Jeff Johns penned Earth One, Volume 3. All right, so we are back at it. This is episode number 41. We are revisiting an old favorite. But first, I have to mention this. We found out after, I believe, months, but Ev has a new show. Betrayal. (laughs) <laughs> it in no way conflicts with this show so there is no betrayal it's just like it's one of those things like when you find out one of your parents has another family somewhere else yeah, oh yeah. My God. and that's the family they love more and they just didn't mention it to you you yeah. know it's like I see you every day for dinner how was your day oh nothing too unusual happened yeah. you know oh okay well moving on past the peas you know it's just easier for me to keep secrets yeah, it's oh. just easier for me to keep secrets. No, it's easy for me to just do something across the board. Then I don't have to recall like who I've told, who I haven't told, or something. And since it's, it wasn't my creation, I don't feel like I should be the one broadcasting this stuff. Like I'll wait for the go ahead from somebody else. I know that you're my friends, and you could keep. Secrets, now I'm not but, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, we all thought yeah, so. Yeah. When well, I get it, because like as the lies build up, it becomes harder to tell the truth from the lies. And <laughs> so, if you just don't say anything, then you can't get yourself in a bind. I understand. Yeah, it's a tricky yeah. web you weave. Yeah, yeah. I just try to avoid that. What's it about? Uh, yeah, tell the people what the show is. It's fun, actually. It's all about pro wrestling, and it's called "How to Make a Mark." A mark is a person who's fully invested in something so Aaron being the mark already and he's the host and some time ago he'd thrown something out on Facebook advertising hey I think I want to start up something like this any non-wrestling fans care to do something like this with me and I don't get to see Aaron hardly ever and we get along and that sounded like something fun plus I spent my time watching pro wrestling like in high school the attitude era yeah, exactly. The The cool thing about this, too, is that my recollection of pro wrestling is either just mostly like some characters from like elementary school, say Hogan and Macho Man and the yeah. Ultimate Warrior. I don't recall actually ever watching any of those things, but the time that I did spend watching it was probably, it was kind of an after school thing in high school, 2000 or so, and that was NWO and and Sting was still there, but Goldberg and Diamond Dallas Page and some of these guys, Steve Austin and The Rock. And we started over 
the first episode, I think, was WrestleMania 1984. So I'm getting to watch a whole bunch of stuff that I've never seen before. Do you just find it on YouTube and watch it? Yeah. I think before there was a wrestling channel. Now it's Peacock and oh, okay. all this wrestling stuff is under the umbrella. One of the funner things to me, though, is that we watch the pay-per-view together before every episode. So it ends up being kind of long because it's however long the broadcast is plus another hour or so on top of it. So it'd be like if we did our homework live and then recorded the content. Yeah. Whereas the idea is like a commentary track. Like, so they watch it with you as you. But that's not recorded though. Uh, It's only the after, you know, the the after party or whatever, you know. Yep. It's the opposite of this where like we do the homework separate, we get together but then all the spontaneity is there yeah. in the recording. I feel like the funnier things that I say happen while we're just watching this stuff. Oh, yeah. And then I don't want to repeat it because it's stupid. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm re-saying <laughs> it to people who have heard it already, and I don't like that. You should just giggle silently and write it down. And <laughs> then in the yeah, after thing. <laughs> hey, guys, remember that joke that I told earlier? That was funny, yeah. right? Stephanie, even at one point, was like, you could do that. And no. I cannot. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually pretty shameless about it because if I am doing this show with you guys, and especially when it's digital and when we're talking at the same time, like someone's cut out or whatever. I like, can't tell if you didn't think my joke was funny yeah, or you if, just didn't hear it. <laughs> if I have a good joke that doesn't land, I will say it again when I know you can hear me, and then I'll get the <laughs> laugh, and then I'll cut the bad one because you couldn't hear me. And then uh, I will leave the good one in the show. And so sometimes you'll take the laugh from another no, joke and put no, it in there. Yeah. <laughs> you just splice it, laugh tracks. I'm not that bad, but yeah, you have you have definitely heard some uh, assisted jokes for sure That's on the cool. show. I don't mind that. It's it's more of a the humor that I generate is all about whatever is happening currently. It's just a thing that we're doing right now where it feeds off somebody else's something or other. But I'm not just like a funny dude with my funny stories and i can't even you're, you're andy I, richter you're not conan yeah if i had to muster that thing for a second time it would be terrible but <laughs> if i if i have to even try to say it again it'll just my heart's not into it anymore like the moment has passed it's no longer funny you're gonna have to go to some like acting workshops take some improv classes and like you know the, okay now i can deliver this joke a second time so by the time we get to the end then we record the episode and we just kind of go over favorite matches, any people that she thought were cool, anything stand out from this versus other things that we've watched. We'll have like a Mark O meter. Did this just sell you on wrestling and you're closer to being a hundred percent Mark or did it suck and it brought you down? And I guess if I was just a Mark all of a sudden, then I could stay doing the podcast. <laughs> or I could be like, well, I've made it. I've done. I don't, so I'm kind of using it as a means to like. You're going to usurp Aaron's position. You're like, no, I am the mark now. We don't need yeah. you. Is the context of a mark? Because it's not that you believe that it's real, but it's just you fully invested in the fantasy of it. Is it's like a true idea? fan, right? Uh, yeah. Every everybody is fully aware that it's physical, but it's made to hurt you as little as possible. Aaron likes it in the way that a person where it's intended, where Aaron is following the storylines like it's a soap opera or something. Yeah. And so he knows about the conflicts in this last episode. We recorded with a guest 
this guy was really knowledgeable and it was kind of nice to just be watching it and he'd be dropping all these tidbits all the time. So it was fun because I, I was enjoying it and it was actually far better in regards to like performance and enjoyability. And then he was dropping all these tidbits all over the place and it was fun. So you had a real mystery science theater thing going on. Yeah, was, yeah, exactly. He's uh, narrating the whole thing to me and I, I stopped and I looked out the window and then I learned a thing and then I kept driving <laughs> All right, so we have given you guys far too much time, and I regret opening this window. <laughs> Everyone has already turned off the show. This God is damn a show? It. What's going Fuck. on? Okay. Back to Batman. We are revisiting a series that was sort of the benchmark for year one of this show. You know, we had so many callbacks to it, we even put it on that bingo card that we joked about. I mean, this was really something that we thought did it right. This is a series that takes a long time between each volume, and we've waited a long time. This is Earth One, Volume 3. It just came out here in 2021, written by Jeff Johns, penciled by Gary Frank, inked by John Sabal, colored, of course, by Brad Anderson, and lettered by Rob Lee. So... That is the cast. I do want to place a spoiler alert on this because it's a brand new title. And we don't often do shit that just came out. So if you haven't checked it out, major spoiler alert. We talk freely all the time on this show. What are your guys' initial thoughts before we dive into the story here? When did Volume 2 come out? 2015, I think. Six years ago. Mm. Yeah. That's kind of nice, I guess, that we had the benefit of being able to do them not back-to-back, but in fairly quick succession, versus if, if we'd started the podcast 10 years ago and uh, <laughs> we, we would just now be doing book number three. Yeah, I mean, we did one and two at the same time, because by the time we had started, they were both out, and they're they're not long, you know, it worked pretty well. I think there's six issues a piece or something, but... It was definitely something that I really looked forward to. Brad Anderson had shared like a little teaser last fall saying like, guess what, guys, it's coming. And then I assume because Jeff Johns has been in so much hot water with Ray Fisher and everything else that like, you know, with with three Jokers, he did none of the press. It was all Fabok. And in this case, they hardly even announced this title. What is the press for comics? Just like doing text interviews or... I mean, I just usually see lots of posts about it. You know, there'll be press release images. Um, You'll see, yeah, people doing interviews, signings, things like that. None of it. I didn't see anything. I saw it on someone's shelf in an Instagram story. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And I went back to Brad's page and was like, yeah, he did post about it. It just happened to come out this week. What the fuck? So I'm not sure what their strategy is on this. It seemed to be, I thought, a very successful run if they're continuing it. But no hype whatsoever. And I had people messaging me like, thank you for posting about this. Like, why is no one talking about it? It's finally here. That's interesting. It's hard to underestimate the whole, like, how much the Jeff Johns thing has to do with it. Or if they're just bad at their jobs. Yeah, it could be both. (laughs) We'll just put it out there, and then the people who want it will know about it, and then maybe word of mouth will spread it. And 
it's just funny because I mean, you hear dumb rumors about like how much DC banks on the Batman titles. You know, like last year there was some rumor that with the restructuring and all the people they let go and that they were talking about rebranding as like Batman and DC comics or something <laughs> like, I mean, like it's, it's like 40% of their, you know, market share or something like it's ridiculous. Right. And so to have something like this come out and just kind of slip it into the new release shelf is so weird to me. What's the stuff with Jeff Johns? I don't know anything about that. Oh, well that's a can of worms that, a. Uh, a Google search will have to suffice. Yeah, just type Jeff Johns, Ray Fisher. Um, he was involved in the the Joss Whedon scandal stuff, and um, like mistreating cast members or yeah. minimizing uh-huh. them, just all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he was gotcha. sort of the corporate babysitter for Snyder when he was making it, and then when Whedon took over, I guess he had quite a bit of influence on things that went wrong he also just got shit on for wonder woman 84 not living up to some people's expectations and i mean he dropped three jokers he dropped the sequel to the shazam series last year also i think he's like morbidly obese he dropped this no he's not (laughs) but he like he dropped this i'm saying he's He's like four feet tall he's dropping all these gems right now but people just don't like him as a person right now also so it's kind of a yeah I don't know. It's a separation of art and the artist, you know? We'll all be gone soon. It won't matter. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So shall we get into the plot line here? Yeah. I think I'm going to forego our usual uh, operating procedure. and You're just going to leave? You're going to give a rating right now? Yeah, I'm out, I'm out of here. I got to go go. <laughs> I gotta go use a Google, whatever that is. I have 14 hours of wrestling to watch, and then I need to figure <laughs> out what this scandal is. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Other homework. I said that it wasn't more important than this, and it wasn't going to interfere, but it actually is more important, and it does interfere. <laughs> the very front cover, the yeah. bats on the cave wall look very like Zelda bird shape or like Link's shield to me. They yeah. look less so like that when they actually get to that part in the comic. Yeah. But those ones right there really reminded me of it. I got to say, the cover doesn't really sell me on it. It seems to be almost like a Kelly Jones sort of wheelhouse. It doesn't really make much sense in the world that we've built with these last two books. It, one, it looks like the interior title credits page or something like that, where you'd have the yes. amazing cover, and then you'd flip, and that'd be the first thing, and it'd say, like, DC, copyright 2021. Yeah. But it's a shame when this book, like the others, has so many killer single splash pages of just awesome art like yeah. like the scene where he's coming out of the fire and the smoke and he's like You're now p- i'm really pissed off <laughs> yeah. or whatever like that would have been a great cover you know it's well made but it, yeah it's not exciting and it's just kind of weirdly framed it's like a couple pages into it i think then they use just like the spliced image of him swinging on a cable yeah it's like him swinging by a cable but his like hands are down by his nethers and I think that it is like, it's, yep, it's yeah, it's like the first one of page the, in the hardcover. Yeah, okay. It's like one of the most weirdly posed pictures in the entire thing. Yeah, it's like an old fashioned painting from hundreds of years ago, like a weird contorted <laughs> body <laughs> yeah. shape, but it just happens to be Batman with the grappling hook, you know? Mm, it works, I guess. Well, when the book actually starts, it opens with a cop in Maine checking on a break-in at, quote, the old asylum. And there is an old vagrant-looking man, apparently in a straitjacket, from what I could tell. 
pining for his, quote, little girl, and he's shouting for Martha. Now, in a post-BVS world, that is a bold choice for an opener. Your daughter's name is Martha? <laughs> so is mine. <laughs> Uh, My mother's name is Martha. Yeah, I was a little surprised, but I mean, and perhaps maybe this was, maybe the text from this was six years old. I don't know. Yeah, but that did surprise me. Of like, wow, we're we're doubling down on the Martha thing. Okay, and then we go to Bruce, who's traversing these underground tunnels with Croc and Alfred bickering behind him. Uh, Alfred has not been too keen on adding Croc to the to the fold. And they finally locate this abandoned subway station below Arkham Manor. And they say that the Arkhams had it shut down before it even opened due to these spirits. And they had made this maze in the tunnels to confuse the spirits. And, Which is uh, a recurring from the other uh, books. Because the idea is the whole city is set up that way to confuse the demons and the ghosts. Yeah. It also has sort of a Curse of the White Knight vibe already. I'm getting a little bit of that. With the vampires? Yeah, just... And the, and the swashbuckling? The ancient history of Gotham and the... You know. Yeah. But not in like a cool Court of Owls way and it's sort of this guy's off his rocker sort of way. Mm-hmm. And I know that's the point. The writer? Or the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either way. Yeah. Lucius's team is still irritated by the constant ground shifting underneath them as they're like, okay, I know you're working on this project that we've been doing for three weeks, but now the boss wants spelunking, you know? And they're like, fuck! Mayor Jessica Dent wears a a one-third sort of mask on her face, almost like Alicia from 89, Ben's favorite. You know, a plain white drape over her face there. The guy from uh, Boardwalk Empire, Richard, what's his face? You know, I didn't. I didn't get he into that show. Kind of talks like this, and he's he's like a horribly wounded World War One veteran. He actually should wear a mask. Where Jessica and this, <laughs> and I get it's part of her psychology. But when she takes it off, you see she it's like, like a mole, a little square. Yeah, she looks yeah. basically the same. What? <laughs> Why is it up on your forehead? It makes me think of Zorg from Fifth Element. Oh, yep, <laughs> the the see through plastic head thing Gary yeah. Oldman wears. And then Bruce is sort of justifying the expansion of his team with with Croc by saying to Alfred that he's going to fight for change as Bruce Wayne because Jessica had solicited that from him before and he wasn't on board. But then after everything happened with Harvey, he decided that he really does need to fight kind of on both fronts. And he says he can't be in two places at once. So he needs people to help him behind the scenes with Batman shit, with underworld investigation Gathering shit, intel, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which makes with sense. I mean, hunting I, spirits. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about the team element being so early in a Batman story. It does feel a little bit weird, but I do get that he's trying to kind of diversify his approach here. Well, I think also that's the same idea from the writing perspective is to try and differentiate this from other Batman stories. and True. So, I mean, especially like when yeah. we just read all the Detective Comics stuff, that's like, that's a team, but it's built on all the years of existing Batman lore, even with the shakeups and the, like the rewrites, where this yeah. is like a brand new thing, a brand new establishment. I agree with that. I think that this is them just trying to not be the same Batman that we're used to. And additionally, 
this is a series of books that between like characters reveals there's like six of these things per per book they're just like tossing <laughs> all kinds of yeah, redesigns yeah. and and people people show up and people die and all this crap happens so it's not surprising to me that they're like oh yeah here's this and we're gonna discover all these other characters and for the first time and a lot of it to me felt like both in an effective way and sometimes in an ineffective way, every single character in this, they looked at like, what was Heath Ledger like in The Dark Knight? Let's take that idea of reinventing a character and apply oh. it to this one and that one. Not necessarily that they're all like dark or wacky, but like Alfred, let's look at Alfred. Okay, let's, what do we know about him? He's British and he's a butler. Okay, well, we're going to make uh. him like an ex-SAS guy and he's tough and he, he's wounded and he's kind of a wise ass. And, and he regrets saying he's the butler. He's not really the butler. Yeah. He gets dragged into a lunch, bunch of shit he doesn't actually want to do. Yeah, every single character in this feels like that to me where like they wanted to reinvent it in that way to where the hope would be people would look at it and go, wow, that's very different from what I expected from the character. Yeah. But I love it and it still kind of rings true. And some of them land and some of them don't. I think that's true. So Gordon six Batman on some bank robbers who are driving through town with a flamethrower at the side of their window in the getaway car. Flamethrower Fridays, baby! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> wow, I missed that Instagram trend. You don't follow that hashtag? If you listen to their podcast, you'd know. Oh <laughs> my god, okay. Yeah, catch us <laughs> weekly, uh, how to make a mark, flamethrowers. <laughs> Bruce hangs up on Alfred while he's out there, or Batman does, rather, and he is getting a little vexed here, you could tell. Like, he is trying to basically drive a wedge between him and Gordon. He's like, dude, you don't trust the cops. Like, that's not how you play this. It's not where... And he's like, stop calling me back. I need to keep this line open for Gordon. And so he hangs up on him again. Like, don't um, hang up on me for Gordon. Yeah, which I thought was pretty funny because he's like, I'm trying to reason with you here. This guy that you're... Okay, the guy is calling. Shut up. Bye. <laughs> Alfred's more like Batman than Batman is like Batman. Yeah, Alfred would traditionally be like, trust in the police, sir. You need to <laughs> understand that they're doing... They have restrictions. You from need the allies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the Batmobile has fangs, which I thought was pretty cool, that kind of perforate the bumper of the car as he rams them from behind and um evan do you get it <laughs> which which lets him steer their car and crash it and then also lets him release the fangs so he can get away without crashing into them first of all they are all dead i don't care what <laughs> happened to the next panel no he's like at the 45 degree angle i'm going to strike their car the, all the force will be transferred into the mid beam and they'll be safe if you look at that scene they hit like a fucking brick wall head on and it just like accordions <laughs> the car i've read the reviews and this mid-sized sedan has the best equipped safety airbags and the most fire retardant exterior they'll be totally fine well that i didn't know now there is sort of mentioned surprised by other bystanders when the Batmobile comes by. Have we seen the car in Earth One before? No, he was just driving like a cool luxury oh. sedan. Yeah, okay. yeah, totally. They made it look like a older Mercedes or something. Uh, I do like that this looks kind of like a new European sports car. Yeah, it's a split between a real car like they did before and the more extreme designs that we're used to in a Batmobile. It kind of yeah, has some uh -huh. of the 89 curves and 
angular aspects. Let's let's not get carried away. It's, <laughs> it looks like Michael Keaton's face. It's on not the front that cool. The- no, <laughs> it's a car. It looks like a car. Okay. I was so hard looking at that car. We could curb that for Ben's after after party. <laughs> Batman disarms these guys by hand after they survived this terrible car crash. Yes. There's a great panel where one guy loses a finger to a batarang because he's he's drawing a gun and the batarang hits his like middle finger, I believe, against the gun handle. And um you can see it separate. That's pretty wild. Yeah, it was uh clearly disconnected. And then uh Catwoman appears in the shadows as the last guy tries to escape. And we, we don't really see anything there. Yet, but we see the silhouette kind of like a long Halloween sort of thing, uh-huh. you know, on the rooftop. Batman with the fire in that part is pretty great. Yeah, that shot yeah. of him that you mentioned before of him coming out is like, yeah. you're really pissing me off. That's yeah. such a cool shot. Yeah, it's pretty great. We get a quick glimpse of Selena's apartment, just kind of her from behind, but it's the talking heads on her TV screen. They're kind of opining the escalation in the violence in the wake of Batman. And I thought that was sort of like a, you know, Dark Knight Returns sort yeah, of Yeah, it kind of bummed me out, though, because nobody on the TV called anyone a homo. And I just <laughs> I felt like if you're going to go all the way, go all the way. Don't give me these half things. These aren't the, well, these aren't the talking heads that you're used to, Ben. That's what this series yeah, is all about. Weak. I thought that it could have been a... I mean, it is a good transition from scene to scene, but since it wasn't a scene, really, I'm not quite as sure with the dollop of praise I'm handing out here, but because we just see, I think, one big panel of Selena's apartment, and then it cuts to the TV, and then you cut back from the TV, and at GCPD, they're watching the same thing. That was a cool little segue, but it's also not really segueing from something. And Gordon gets a location on Bullock. There's kind of been the question of, of what happened to him, where he's at. We know from these other stories that Bullock is now really struggling and kind of beginning the path of the underachiever that we know. The fat, cynical <laughs> slob, dirty, greasy. Me or? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> no. um, Where am I? <laughs> so he gets a, a location for Bullock. Then we see an amazing page, probably my favorite page of the book, where close-up panels all the way across of Catwoman's eyes and then Catwoman's pillows on her bed and then Jessica's eyes. And I just love, and I said this before, but I absolutely love, I said Gary Frank, but really everybody, I mean, the color in the eyes, everything is is just mesmerizing. I think the best thing they do in these books art-wise is real expressive, emotive eyes and facial features. Yeah, the faces are fantastic. They look like people both just in the features alone, but also as you're saying, the expressions and the emotions. Yeah, yeah they're stunning. There's a lot of times where the shiny modern colors are my gripe with stuff that we read, mm-hmm. but they do this so well that it doesn't even register with me. They're doing that same stuff and it, I don't care. It's awesome. Well, I think what makes it work is that the art is so grounded because the art is such a realistic style. Having yeah. the colors be kind of fantastic doesn't make it kind of a mishmash in the way it does when like the art is also super exaggerated and strange and then the colors on top of it are unrealistic. Now that you're saying that too, I think that part of it has to do with the ratios between like solid blacks and 
hatching and cross hatching, and then the colored spaces. If there was far less blacks or far less detail in all of the faces and textures, and here stuff. we go again, Evan. With the if there were far less blacks, <laughs> oh god! Oh my god! Uh, Do they know this about then, you on your other podcast? <laughs> Shut up! No, you should. He's gonna hang up on us right now. <laughs> no, Aaron and Stephanie are like the biggest white supremacists. Ever. <laughs> no, no. Dude, they are they are they are so woke that I like have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> almost all the time. They, they like have to teach me something about, I don't know. It's crazy. It's, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. fucking, it's wild. Anyways, if, if there I don't were, know any if, of these people to be white supremacists, I'm just making a joke. I don't want, they definitely are not, I don't want like uh, Sam's mom who listens to this <laughs> or us who listen to this to actually think that anyone is a white supremacist. Well, uh, I mean, you don't even have social media or something. People can't even like retaliate. What do you, you're not That's even, for me, you, but I mean, they may just... come after your family. I don't know. Yeah, if anyone wants to send hate, hate mail, I'll give you Ben's personal address. <laughs> you can mail it to me. <laughs> I don't answer my mail either, though. <laughs> Future Ben Polowski. <laughs> Care of. You can poop on his doorstep. <laughs> um... Never mind. Whatever. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's okay. It's You're talking the, about the, 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 the ratios of the blacks to the colors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's the... If it wasn't so deeply contrasting, it wouldn't look as good with the digital colors? Like if you just had really expansive spaces and the colors were doing all of the work, then I would be like, that's too shiny. That's too much color. Mm -hmm. But because the balance of all these little tiny fine lines and stuff, and then the color is just perfectly fused with that, then it makes it all way more palatable to me. Sam, you talked about that page specifically, and I was going to say that I focused on a couple of things in particular on that same page, but then when I was going back to, if I could read this again, I would be far more aware of the like narrative transitions from page to page because there's a lot in the pacing of the panels, but until I was kind of transcribing my notes today, there was a couple instances where like at the top left of that page, the only text on there is a continuation from the page before. And I'm picturing it as like a scene in a movie where the image changes, but the words continue from like the yeah. previous little scene. Uh -huh. And it says, we need to talk face to face. And then you have face, face. Nice. And then you also have the whole play on like face to face you have like the play on words like awesome i was going to mention that this page is the first example i think of foreshadowing that occurs mm -hmm. here the way that she says yes and no on opposite so you're getting yeah. two separate speech bubbles from the same person on mm -hmm. different sides of the face or even though i didn't appreciate too that the two faces on the pillows also the two kitty faces oh yeah mm. true Oh my God, it's all so deep. We should just stop this and reread the book and come back here. Well, I, uh, I read it like a month ago and then I reread it this week, you know, for the, the show. And definitely a lot more stood out as I'm trying to take my notes and, and be more critical of it, you know. It's awesome because all of that stuff is intentional. You know, we flipping pages going through this thing, but even just the separation of those two single syllable words into two different word bubbles on either side of her face, somebody was like, that's a good idea. I should do this. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see, it's just, she's having, it's like, she's having one side of a phone conversation. 
Uh-huh. So she responded yes to the first thing. The person said something else and yep. then responded no. Smart. But we don't know that. Not right away. Her pillows, the kitty faces, remind me of, one, Shrek's logo in Batman Returns. Oh, yeah. Two, the kitty bus in Miyazaki's yeah. Totoro. And three, the cookie cat ice cream sandwich logo from Steven's Universe. I definitely know all three of those things. <laughs> yeah, good. Especially two and three. Those really hit home. <laughs> Steven Universe, baby. Yeah. Bruce picks up Jessica for a press conference, and he cautions her. He takes her aside and, and really advises her to take some time to recover. Like, hey, I've been through horrible trauma. I recognize you are still going through some horrible trauma. Like, maybe <laughs> reel it in for a minute, and your job doesn't matter as much Trust right now. me, I'm fine. I'm well adjusted. <laughs> I've gone through some trauma. You've gone through some trauma. Maybe we should kiss each other. <laughs> <laughs> he mentions that they are both now the last of their respective families. I like that connection there that they have. Well, and that's also a little bit of foreshadowing. That's both. Yeah. You think that's not true for both of them halfway through this, and then it kind of is true by the time we get to the end of it. Yeah. She unveils publicly the Harvey Dent house for the homeless. There's another bit of foreshadowing in her speech there where she says, I'm guilty. We're all guilty, you know, and talks about how, you know, we don't do enough to give back and to help the community or whatever. But I just like that was almost the first thing out of her mouth. Uh-huh. And it sort of strikes you, you know, when she says it, because it's sort of there's no context yet. Uh-huh. I'm guilty, and you're guilty, and you get a car. And I've killed you get people. A car. Metaphorically, I mean, I've, uh, <laughs> but the uh, but she also says the dark days of Gotham began with their deaths. Talking about the Waynes, yes, it ends with my brothers, and that's another kind of double meaning of like she's talking about we're going to make the city better, but also like no, this is going to be the end of Gotham City with this huge <laughs> conflict. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> I didn't read it that way. That's funny. Yeah, she introduces Bruce right as Alfred gets a call about this vagrant guy who they're calling Adrian, Adrian Arkin. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Alan Arkin. Do not edit that. Alan Arkin. to be visible to everyone. Who they're calling Adrian Arkham. We get a flashback of Martha's mom shooting her dad and jumping off the roof to commit suicide. We see her land in the street. All this happens right in front of young Martha. And it, back in the present, they're detaining Adrian. They've checked fingerprints, dental records, and he even has the bullet scars in two places that confirm this story about what happened to Bruce's grandfather. Aerie Merkham. Roger. <laughs> the Roger. <laughs> Croc overhears some goons from the sewer. He's... he's hearing them talk about the Harvey Dent house being a a weapons depot. He's sort of just observing, and then one of these pieces of shit kicks a stray dog that comes up and starts uh, sniffing around their stuff. And fuck those fucking guys. I was so glad when Croc fucking comes out, scares the fuck out of them, and actually rescues the dog. That's very nice. I do think he should have eaten them, but... (laughs) Yeah, but I was glad that he saved the dog. It's very nice. I just like because that's Bat Dog's tragic backstory. That's that's what <laughs> got him into the fight on crime as well. That's funny. 
Is there a bat dog? Well, you just met him, Ace, right? Yeah, the original bat dog. Technically, he, oh, he was well, in one of those second. stories we read. He was in, he was in the cave in uh, Nightfall or something. Yeah, I think it was Nightfall. Oh. I'm Batman. I'm very dark. I just live here with my butler and my uh, mechanic friend, and also my pet dog. I just thought that was like the auto mechanics shop dog. That's bat dog and my fighting boy. Oh, oh I was thinking this one is of like. Many. Uh, this is just another way in which this book is so much different than other stuff because Superman usually gets the dog and Batman gets the dog this time, but I guess he's had a dog the whole time. And it's like a wink at the old, I mean, because that dog wore a costume, I think. Yeah. Like, this is just a, guy, a dog that hangs Ooh, out with them. I hope that happens in the future. That would be dope. What I do like here, though, if we're just to step back a little bit, I appreciate the sort of misunderstood Croc, you know? Yeah. He's sort of like... Oswald in Returns, where he's just kind of been othered by his appearance. But that guy was fucking psycho. He was going to murder a bunch of children. Were this like no, 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 but he was dumped in the fucking sewer as a baby and neglected from society. Yeah, but this croc never ever comes close to being a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, no, he takes something different with it. But I, I just appreciate that they treated him like that, and that he didn't start with any sort of nefarious motivations you uh-huh. know and in that way he's similar to crocs from the past this one is just lacks the the rage revenge element because that was like the jump off point for past crocs was like i've been shunned by society and that means that i can eat them <laughs> yeah that's and like, <laughs> this one is like i've been shunned and that just makes me want to hide from those scare people. them away from my tunnel and if you recall when they first squared off against each other he was like, please, leave me alone. Stop. Yeah. Stop. You know, get out of my fucking living room, you know? Like, I, I you came down that. here and just started punching me. Yeah. All right, so Gordon wakes up Bullock in the drunk tank, who is facing assault charges for punching his new partner. It is explained that he was defending Gordon's honor against accusations that he only made captain because of Batman and that he's dirty. Gordon reprimands him for this. And then says, you know, it comes with the territory. You got to get over it. But also, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I think my two favorite pairs of two. interactions are Gordon and Bullock. And it's interesting because theirs has changed since the beginning because of the stuff that Bullock has gone through. But I like, it's kind of buddy cop vibes, but yeah. I just like that they have each other's backs there's like a good brotherhood going on there yeah and then on the other hand i like alfred and croc being like the chippy couple (laughs) and picking at each other this whole book yeah we did kind of lose the lethal weapon buddy cop thing a little bit just as bullet got relegated to sort of a backseat role you know they Uh do still give him a little bit to do but there's not quite the same well it seems like he shows up at the beginning and then disappears until the end yeah uh-huh. yeah he's mentioned more than he's actually pictured on screen you know i just think it's cool that gordon still believes in him and yeah despite you know he spends the night in the drunk tank and then he's like but well, we got to go do something you know like it yeah. doesn't matter i know that you're just going through some bad stuff and there's still good in you and i just like his faith in him he says, you're the best detective i have when you're not fucked up in the gutter when it's not 10 a.m at the bar (laughs) but i yeah i like that and it sort of if you were to i know this is its 
its own universe. But if you were to he's going to talk think about, about Steven Universe. Well, yeah, no, if <laughs> you <laughs> definitely things I've heard of. But if this is the origin, and only Gordon was there for that, it would illuminate so much as to why he keeps him around for so long. You know, uh-huh. I mean, I think there's also something there about like police in general, or maybe any job where. You can't get fired as a cop. But the idea of like it, it, the shittiness of the job means for better or for worse, you keep people around that you wouldn't because yeah. they do what you need when you need them. And either the people are waiting are worse or you have to take what you can get one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. The idea, like he's a that. good detective. He's mean and he's an asshole, but like there's nobody else here doing that. Yeah. And he's not beating people to death or doing like real <laughs> heinous stuff. Yeah, just a couple of bar fights, you know. Yeah. What you gonna do? Off duty. So Adrian awakens in a panic at Wayne Manor. He does not recognize his surroundings. He lunges at Bruce, saying, "The spirits took my wife. They can't have my daughter too." And it's just off the rails. And then, as he gets face to face with Bruce, he actually has a moment of recognition in his eyes. He's like, oh my God, you have her eyes. And he's like, I'm her son. And you finally get the dude to take a breath who's kind of just been frothing at the mouth every time we've seen him. I think literally, actually. Yes, there you go. There's a show right there. Yeah, yeah. Full froth. It's pretty nasty. He's rabid. Alfred and Bruce go down to the cave to meet Croc's new dog. And I'm very happy that he's, uh, he's okay. And Croc fills them in about what he heard about Harvey House. Goons come from far and wide to be told that they can have all the ammo and all the guns they want at the Harvey Dent house here in exchange for their loyalty when the time comes. Batman is watching and his cover is blown. Uh, he's basically shot, shot at by every gun in the room, which is, again, they're at an arms dealer. Yeah. <laughs> so he's shot at by everything, including a bazooka. And... Catwoman is first revealed on a double splash page with the dumbest costume in the history of the character. <laughs> it's and after the build up and the teaser, the cliffhanger at the end of, of volume two, and the little bits we've gotten of her so far in this, and her face and how beautifully it's drawn. I was so disappointed by this. Like I can't I've I've had other people message me too, like you posted about it, but did you read it yet? I'm like, yes, I read it. I'm like, that fucking Catwoman suit. Before we go fully into that, I do just want to comment on the crowd of goons in the room. Yes. Those designs, uh, part of me was like, man, I just want an issue exploring all those characters' backstories. Because <laughs> there's like three guys with uh, long hair but different style beards and like two twins with numbers on their face. Like, those are cool designs. What are those characters doing? I think the numbered goons are from an older... I want to say Two-Face gimmick. I can't remember, but I've definitely seen them before. They all felt like throwbacks or nods to things, but I'm like, I just like them. They were neat designs. And just as a contrast to then her design, I mean, I had the exact same thought when I looked at it. I'm like, this fucking sucks. What a dumb character. (laughs) But as I'm looking at it... I know it's like a year one Catwoman thing. But if you took away the little kitty belt symbol, which is supposed to like parallel his bat symbol which a lot of people think looks dumb, but I don't mind. And the dumb t-shirt crop top thing. and the. To me, when I saw this, I immediately thought, this is like trying to get 
Harley Quinn people into this. Right? Yeah, like, I remember yeah. you saying when we watched something, you're like, I can't get into this character design. It looks like cosplay. And I was like, that's weird. But in this case, that's how I felt yeah, about it. Yeah, that's exactly like, what it looks like. This is like a closet cosplay of someone going, I don't have Catwoman, but I'll just throw something together, you know? Yeah. All they need to make that a Harley thing is to change one of the legs of tights to, like, diamonds instead of the stripes and have the alternating... Yeah, you know, or just change any, anything black. referential to a cat, change it to referential to a clown or a jester, and that's a Harley Quinn costume. You're right, right it totally is. But if you took away all the bright contrasting colors, took away some of the on-the-nose cat imagery, yeah. I think that's a cool costume, and that's fucking really nice artwork. I mean, that's, yeah, I don't, that's a, <laughs> I don't like anything about the costume from the neck down, but I think she is still beautifully rendered. I love the way that Selena was introduced in the, in the last one. I just can't get behind the suit. Additionally, her mask helmet thing looks a little like some day of the dead candy skull stuff i like it yeah i think it's okay but yeah, nothing idiot. else <laughs> nothing else resembles that there's no other like motifs that match that sure. in any way yeah what? again it, it totally feels like a closet cosplay of just like various things assembled to disguise yourself which if you're looking at it as like again the uh dark knights like how do we reinvent this character in this more realistic world where like she's just like a woman who's i guess a master martial artist thief but she doesn't really have a gimmick just like batman so now she needs to find her gimmick so she threw this together in her closet yeah and instead of being michelle pfeiffer like having a bunch of latex and acrylic lying around she had this stuff if this was not the only representation of her in this. Like she got a I new would, suit a little further yes, on. Yes, then I would uh-huh. feel differently about it. Like they've rumored about the Batman when they first showed Pattinson's suit. Everyone's like, that homemade cowl looks fucking terrible. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's going to be like destroyed in an early scene. And then we'll get like a real bat suit. Cool. All right. I'm fine with that. I would love that in this. But because these only drop every five fucking years... <laughs> I'm not satisfied. Like, if, if they had given me this as an early and then, okay, now I have something that's more normal Catwoman, then I, I would be okay with this. But this is what they landed on and stayed with. Get rid of all the stripes, get rid of the cat faces and the cat paw, make it a dark purple or black. That's a pretty cool costume. But again, you're doing what you accuse me of doing all the time. You're like, yeah, I mean, you can go through this headcanon of like, well, yeah, but if blah, 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 then I like it. And First, so you're, how dare you? You're, <laughs> <laughs> we are nothing alike. No, I agree with you. I don't like the costume, but I'm just saying I like the elements of it. To me, just, again, it's those things are what ruin it for me. It is bad. I don't like it either. Yeah. But fundamentally... Th- no, I just needed you to say that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, Sam. My only thought, though, oh, is that... typical. I was on his side, Mom. That's just what I'm here for. I just want to hear each of you guys say that once per episode. (laughs) Then I'll be fine. Feed me praise like grapes. Then grab the palm fan. Don't forget the five-star rating, guys. (laughs) I really need it Um, for my self-esteem. I give every YouTube video a thumbs down just to balance you out. Oh, my God. You're that guy? (laughs) I hate that guy. It just makes sense. Just your videos. I'm These like, this videos. Is like- <laughs> when you post this on YouTube, I give it a thumbs down. It's like a puppy I, I being adopted. Your videos. Like, who who would hate this this video of a, an innocent puppy being adopted and rescued? And like, why does one person gotta dislike that? I don't understand. It's to keep the person uploading those videos humble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah totally. One. 
<laughs> we don't want them getting a big head. They're not Mother Teresa. It's just a fucking internet video. <laughs> if you were to be given like a second costume by the end of it, yeah. If that second costume was an improvement and not just another weird costume. Mm. So, so if it was an improvement, that would be good. But it also falls into my one of the things that I think about again about these books and this book is that they are throwing a ton at me. And if they're like, everybody's got costumes. We all got new costumes all the time. Everybody. Um, Croc wears a crocodile head on his crocodile head. Yeah. Now. Oh my really God. cool. Uh, he starts using moisturizer. He's better now. <laughs> it would just be another one of those things. And so giving her another costume would kind of play into my mini gripe of how many different things do you want to show me in a single book? Sure. Yeah. And I, I'm with that. I guess I just mean that because we're only getting her in a very limited amount of time yeah. in a short story, then that's all we get. But I'm just going to assume that it gets better afterward. <laughs> if there, I, if uh, there is more, I don't know. Because there's that whole scene at the end, spoiler alert, where she gets dismembered by Croc. <laughs> <No>. but, <laughs> yeah, Waylon really goes to town. It's extremely explicit. <laughs> uh, either of you guys familiar with the Dark Stalkers fighting game series? Yeah. You there's want her to look kitty. like Morgan? Or a Felicia. No, a Felicia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with, with <laughs> yeah, like yeah totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah with uh-huh. like kitty paws. And- yeah, see, I would be 100% on board with that, and Sam would be like, I hate this. It's fucking garbage. I thought I was the positive one on this show. Why does she have a real tail? How does it move? <laughs> I love chicks with tails. What are you talking about? <laughs> I see your posters in this room. I see them everywhere. Yeah, yeah. No, those, those, those are tails in the front. That's a different thing. <laughs> like the butt plug fox tails? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all over his walls here. You can't see it because it's not facing you, but he changed all these posters. Yeah, it's on the yeah, other the studio, side. Yeah. <laughs> the studio is half Batman collection. <laughs> it's half butt plugs. Yeah, it's like... Um, <laughs> You know in Sin City when uh, they, they have the heads mounted on the wall? Mine's just yes. butts mounted on the wall. Yeah. yeah. yeah with various colored <laughs> plugs. He made me walk! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This took a weird turn, but I'm so glad. <laughs> okay, I'm going back to the story now. Oh, wait. How did that guy sneak up on Batman? He was just busy. Alfred was bugging him on the phone again. Because fucking Batman sucks in this one. He's just not there yet. Ooh, no, but burn. his move... I mean, I was saving this for Ninja, but that's one of the moves that stood out to me. In the time that the stupid gunman had to say, you're right about that, and let him know he was there, yeah. he manages to fully spin around and with like some kind of forearm wrist strike, not only knock the gun out of the way, but it looks like he's broken his arm because his arm is now bending the wrong direction. Yeah, that's the thing that always gets me. It's like in a movie, there's a conflict, and you're like, just tell him what fucking happened, and then it'd be nothing, right? But that's a common thing where, like, someone's got to stroke their ego and say the cool line, you know, uh-huh. which gives the hero enough time to fucking knock it out of their hands yeah. and shove it up their ass. You could have just shot him. <laughs> yeah, just kill that. So in that scene, though, um, we get some bat cat skull cracking where they're saving each other multiple times and fighting off this whole team of people. And then in Selena fashion, she pulls the pin on one of those grenades and just jumps out the window or whatever, um, and they blow the whole place up. I think, if I remember right, maybe it's just prior to the fight popping off, but one goon's talking to the other goon, and it's just another one of those good like panel-panel pacing things where one guy is like, Harvey Dent's the guy. Harvey Dent's the one organizing this stuff. And yes. the other guy's like, Harvey Dent's dead. 
And then the next panel is nothing but shows like Jessica sitting in the dark in her office. Yeah. And then, so it's just like a little, you know, change the shot up, boom, other image, and then pow, and then back to it. Yeah, that's, I like that a lot. There's a couple later ones in that same vein with Jessica and Harvey that confuse me, but that's not one uh-huh. of them. That's a really nice foreshadowing moment. Yeah, I think that's great. In, in that moment, like, what's she doing? Just sitting in the dark? What's she thinking about? In that same vein, Batman captures one of the unconscious goons. Travis. From the arms, arms dealer, yes. And Travis, shout out, Travis. <laughs> he wakes up and is being interrogated by Batman. And I love this. He uses Croc as his uh, motivator <laughs> there because they're like, you're Batman, you don't kill people. He's like, that's what I'm here for, ah, you know, and gets all in I'm his no face. More yeah, I love it. And is this, uh, hit him so with this a rock. Is like good cop, bad croc? Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, go <laughs> home. Yes, get out of here. Get out of here. Oh. I get it, everybody. But then the guy says immediately, no hesitation at all when, when being <laughs> presented with croc as a consequence. He immediately says, Harvey Dent, it's Harvey Dent. <laughs> he knew everything about my case. Things that no one else would know. Only he would know. It was definitely him. Like Ledger and the TV. Like, I know the squealers or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That guy, he gives it up fast. Exactly. Back to the warehouse. (laughs) I like that Batman and Catwoman immediately have this, like... Sex? Funny, yeah. Where did I miss? No, I couldn't have missed that. It's right back to the butt plugs. Uh, (laughs) They just have, like, a really funny rapport right off the bat and their conversations are funny and interesting. I and I like dynamic. that she shows up and Batman's like, your voice, we've met in that apartment you crashed. That wasn't yours. Nope. <laughs> and yeah. then right back to their stuff. But they're funny and quick with each other well, like it, immediately. It, in the middle of the fighting, he's like, oh, that means you didn't get my flowers. Yeah. He's like, well, you can send me uh-huh. more. Mm-hmm. You can send me more. I liked that gag in the last one when he finds out that she doesn't live there. It's like, my house was robbed that night, you son of a bitch. There's another beautiful close-up of Jessica's eyes and a half moon. That's a really cool scene. Um, Just a little more planting the seed. And then Batman... From the classic Batman villain, half moon. Yes, yes. Batman, half moon night. (laughs) Seed planter. Whoa. (laughs) <laughs> Batman confronts Jessica and calls back to volume two when she woke up in the hospital and said, stay the hell away from my sister. Because it had the jagged lettering and the crazy <laughs> so, speech know, bubble, you know. I read those as, stay the hell away from my sister. Anytime I see jagged, that's what no, I know. It's the Harvey Dent voice. You, this is a whole new book, a new look at Batman and Batman's villains. I'm sorry. I know Harvey Dent lettering when I see it. That actually answered my, I remember it in the last one one of my questions was like, what does that sound like? Is that Harvey's voice in her? Is that like a Harvey version of her voice? Yeah. What is it? Well, and this makes it sound as if it, it really is just like Harvey's voice. Yeah. Cause multiple people talk about like, Oh no, that's him. I, I heard him. I talked to him on the phone. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. I have more on that later, but All right. Batman says to her, he disregarded that at first. <laughs> he he had the same thought of like what the fuck was that? But you know what? No, no, Batman. Red flags. You, you have just to look at these are deal breakers, Batman. You just witnessed some crazy trauma. I'm not gonna fucking worry about that. You snapped out of it the next time you woke up, right? But he says now that someone claims to be working for Harvey, we need to talk about this. 
And then, conveniently, the phone rings, and it is Harvey on speakerphone. Who's talking on the phone? I I don't know. This is very long Halloween at this point. I'm very confused when I'm reading this. And then he warns her to leave the city before Gotham burns, quote, like they burned Jesus. Yeah. That kind of establishes, okay, we've been fed some red herrings. Harvey's alive. Alfred traces the call. It's Harvey's actual disconnected phone number. And Batman asks Gordon, can you have your daughter look into this? Can you have Barbara track it like she did for us before? And she is written out. She's out of the country. Like, we had the little Batgirl tease, and then she's fucking nowhere to be found. So that disappointed me. And then Gordon asks, one last thing. Are you aware of this new cat burglar person? And he just says, maybe, and flies away. He's like, maybe. I wish they would have stuck with that. That should have been her name. What's your name? Cat burglar. (laughs) That's who I am. (laughs) Batman and Catwoman square off, and he bribes her to find the source of these weapons coming into Harvey House. Alfred then calls to announce that Adrian is awake, and also he snuck out. I love that. Certainly a man who can spend 50000 can afford to spend 75000 And he mm-hmm. goes, done. Yeah. I also thought that was stupid because I think that he could have just handed her $10,000 and that she would have tried that same move and got twenty. <laughs> I think it shows you both that he's really rich, so it doesn't matter to him at all. Yeah. yeah. And the same idea, again, that he's like green. Yeah. He's not necessarily good at all this stuff. She's better at negotiating a deal than he is. Yeah. One, because she needs money and he doesn't. Yeah. I also just love that he's carrying around cash again. That's the funniest <laughs> thing to me is him pulling a wad of this cash. This utility out of, belt. Yeah. I've got knots. It makes me wonder what, if it's all $100 bills, then. That looks like 20s thick? to me. I know what. Okay. Well, then that just like makes it even 20s. more improbable because all I'm thinking is like how, especially if it was folded back, like. Fifty or seventy-five thousand dollars in one hundreds must be like, <laughs> like six inches tall, doubled back. With it's it's all his body I, armor. I'm looking at it right here. It's stacks of hundreds, so it is hundreds. But if that was hundreds, that would be like fifty thousand dollars that he's holding. Have you yeah. seen? These people don't understand how money is Wolf shaped of or Wall sized. Street. You know, yeah, yeah. where, where they go? wear the the money in under the clothes to smuggle it. I think it's like that. Wolf of Wall Street, the Evan Vaught story. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to linger on that weird joke for a moment. Okay. Bruce finds Adrian at Arkham Manor standing on the ledge. He's rambling about the Arkham curse, and we see a flashback to Abraham Arkham developing Gotham and stumbling upon these hieroglyphs that you mentioned on the cover, swarmed by all these bats. His little soliloquy here, he's talking about the madness that takes every generation of Arkham's at some point. I did like that particular line because obviously Bruce is a little crazy to do what he does, and he has that bloodline. I appreciated that. And that was a recurring thing in the first two volumes, too, like the yes. really examining the madness of his family and that of him. Yeah, and that it's not all the trauma. It's also there was some DNA that contributed to that. Mm. I was hoping for a little more, I don't know what it would have been, but the fact that the bats in the cave 
would like the catalyst for a multi-generational spirit haunting. And I was like, ah, that doesn't, but, I don't, I mean, can that we, doesn't seem very significant to me. Without like directly spoiling it, who knows how much of that is all just bullshit. Whoa, what an angle. I mean, that's, which is what I love again. No, 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 though, because Alfred produces a photo of the dude, too. That also has his story about the curse in the cave. and all. That's what I mean. How much, how much of what he is saying is bullshit, which yeah. I like, because then it makes you look at this character another way, like, wow, this guy's doing a great job yeah. of being him. But, like, I don't, you don't, I don't necessarily trust everything he says to be true. Yeah, that's, that's true. That that's fair. Sense. Yeah. Jessica is getting a late night phone call interruption presumably from harvey adrian reveals that martha had a twin named bruce who died in the womb which i do like um he blames the curse for this which he now refers to not as the arkham curse but the curse of the bat i'm not sure how that pivot happened and that losing the twin drove her mother crazy and this is what led her to you know shoot him jump off the ledge all that he said that he played dead and hid to protect Martha, but the spirits found her and Gotham killed her anyway. And he's like out there being just so melodramatic saying, take my life, not his. And like telling these spirit forces to spare Bruce and to take him instead. And Bruce relates to him on a grounded level and said, look, you're my only remaining relative at this point. Can you fucking not jump off the building? That'd be great. And, and he does step down. I like that, too, because he's just like the... Uh, I'm looking at it here. That's all I can say about it. He says, like, I need help. Or I'm not well. Or like a moment of clarity. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's like, I'm sick, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yes, get away from that place. All right, so... Bruce, for some reason in plain clothes, along with Alfred and Croc, exhume Harvey's empty coffin. There's nobody there. Jessica is in a parking garage in her car and sees Harvey, Two-Face. Standing in front of the car. Yes. And then she, she gets out of her car, leaves it, and then we cut to Selena uh, meeting the new gang everybody in the bat cave that they're putting together under arkham manor so was harvey dent's body never buried no i think that's what but they're you, saying because they, they talked about the graveyard yeah they were there at the funeral they saw the coffin go in. that's the whole reason they are they're like this is ridiculous we saw him die let's go find the body to prove it they dig it up it's not there so that's where we're at in the story it's did somebody else dig up his body or was it never buried in the first place they were there and they saw it buried. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what we're supposed to take with it. Yeah. That's the whole reason uh, they're checking. It's, it was sort of like the Red Hood thing where they're like, well, what, what the, f- we, we did it. What the fuck? Yeah, you know? we saw a body go in the ground. Yeah. I just thought that Detective Batman would notice like a disturbance of the soil or something had somebody like exhumed his body at a different point post-burial, I just thought that Batman would have noticed that it had been messed with. Yeah, I mean, That's to tell it. the truth, it's not addressed. So anything that we say there is, is speculative. But Yeah, and I mean, I think they could have accomplished the same thing. They could have given you what you want and still had the same result where they could have got there and said, well, you we have to look, and Batman could have had a moment before they dig it up where he goes, well, the soil has been disturbed recently. They're going to run a throwaway line, and they just didn't do it. Yeah. I think you could be right more because now as I think about it, it's probably more like they're going like, oh, maybe nobody was buried in the first place. 
yeah, because they didn't say anything about it, I was like, what's, is this some death in the family weirdness and Batman's got this wrong two times? Uh, mm. What's going on here? I think the pallbearers would have been like, holy shit, this <laughs> is really bad. I thought Man, there was workouts something there. in the really suitcase. <laughs> yeah. This is a lot less heavy than the last time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, pallbearers are <laughs> They keep who, doing it yeah. over and over. They keep <laughs> asking me back. It's a really depressing job. They know the deceased, right? They're not guys who are just hired to transport coffins. <laughs> That should be a profession, actually. Who wants to do that, really? All right, so Jessica is now sitting in a half-totaled, note, half-totaled police Uh cruiser. (laughs) Classic Batman villain. She (laughs) unmasks in the car with Harvey. And as the light shifts, we see one of the gnarliest Two-Face panels ever. Yeah, it looks like something out of The Walking Dead. I think that is the best fucking shot, aside from the one I mentioned earlier with the close-ups of uh, both characters' eyes on that same page. I think that is just a phenomenal, amazing shot that I could have that disgusting thing signed and framed on the (laughs) wall. When I look at that, that's what I think. I'm like, man, that's fucking awesome, but you're a sick fuck if you want that. (laughs) You want to look at that all the time. Uh, I want to have that next to that dark uh, Capullo Joker with the, like, do you tell yourself he's just a man? You know, like, the shredded face. I want both of those next to each other. You want to wake up and every day look at that. Yeah, I'll put it right next to my nightstand. Tattooed over your heart. You can see it in the mirror every time. I like that that's one of the pages that they pick out to show the process for later in the book. So you get the pencils and the inks and the colored version of that one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So they did all the detail work first and then added yeah. in the shadows. Yeah, I just cool. like being able to see the process. So like, thank you for picking out that picture specifically. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, this one took as long as the rest of the whole book. Yeah, this is the first time we were really seeing her face and seeing the damage, and it's so minimal. It's very Harvey in. Dark Knight Returns. The like, damage is all in her head. Sort of body dysmorphia thing or whatever you would call that. You know, She uh-huh. looks at it and she thinks like, I'm fucking disgusting. I'm so ugly. I'll never yeah. look the way I used to. Yeah. Because she won't on the inside. And but then comparing that to the next page, which is like true, horrible, yeah. disgusting. It's like some Tales from the Crypt shit. Yeah, it looks like the Crypt uh-huh. Keeper. Yeah. Okay, so Batman recruits Gordon and Bullock to help find Harvey. Let's him in on what's going on. Because they're waiting for this signal. And very quickly we see the signal is lit. Armies of these thugs are filling the streets. Adrian sets fire to, I thought was actually Wayne Manor. Mm. Because he's looking at a fucking painting of the Waynes who didn't live at the time that that was a functioning house. Yeah, And I think that the last time that we saw him was at the mansion, so... Well, the last time we saw him, he was on the Arkham Manor roof. Oh, um, so many. But structures. yeah, dude, like it—it's very unclear. And then Harvey cuts Jessica's face. We see a blade to her face, very close up, saying that she chose Bruce over her own brother. And she runs out of the car, which is now parked in front of a burning house. You can see the fence. You can see the reflection of the flames. You can't see where they are. Yeah, Harvey um, drove them there. And here's the thing. They start in the parking garage. That's where Harvey spotted. 
the police cruiser is outside somewhere parked with the lights off. And then in this same brief conversation, they arrive at this other location all very quickly without any explanation. But we don't fully know how much time is supposed to have passed, so I give it a little bit of a break there. But then this whole thing explodes. I don't know if the car explodes, the house explodes, Batman swoops in to save her. She's run to the building, and it's part of the building about to fall on her. If you're reading that in order, though, I don't think at the time you have any idea what what's happening. I did, but I'm sharper than you, so. I guess. Afterward, you can figure it out, but like as I'm reading it, I'm like, okay, what part is exploding? How did they get there? Is it the same fire as Adrian was doing? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have any I mean, any there's goons in the street that. with rocket launchers and shit. What we, are we seeing? We get a close-up of the can of the gas canister, which granted, they all look like that, but the only other one we saw he was holding as he was burning down Arkham Manor. Yeah, but they've also look, been cutting back. Look at you, and, eagle eyes. But no, well, I'm looking at it right well, now, but, but, but I didn't have any of these issues when I was He's got it in his it hand, but, but the thing is they keep cutting back and forth between Adrian and Jessica. At no point do they imply that they're in the same place. I, and so I assume that they were separate until I'm looking overhead and seeing the car near the fire, and I'm like, okay, maybe this is the same. I, well, I didn't have any of those issues, but at this, I, I think it's okay that you thought that. Cause Just tell I, me I'm right. You're ignorant and imperceptive, and they expected that. So I don't think you're ne- you're not necessarily supposed to know that's where they are. Not until a few scenes later where you see it. Yes, but yes. I I did know. Your intuitive prowess yeah. far exceeds that of us regular folk. Oh yes. Barbara calls her dad, saying that she saw on the news that Harvey's back, and she did look into it and trace the call and said, "It's not Harvey Dent." End of scene. Of course, we don't get to know yet. Batman pulls Two-Face out of the car, who appears to be dead and decomposing. I'm going to admit, the first time I read this, as everything's coming to a climax, I'm going through it pretty quickly, going, whoa, this is crazy, Uh what the fuck's going, you know, I'm burning through it. I did not acknowledge how corpse-like he really looks there. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, there's no flesh on his bones left, he doesn't, he looks like a skeleton. Yeah, which, you're used to seeing his face like that. But I did not take that close of a look. I was just like, holy shit, what's happening? You know, mm. That kind of bummed me out because I liked the way that that looked so much. And here I just thought that that's what this series is doing, is giving us all these hot takes that yeah. I wanted that to be him and I wanted him to look like that. Sure. Like, oh my God, he still exists. He's going to have to talk with this mouth. This is like the most horrific looking two-face we've ever seen and I've, I've wanted it to be a thing yeah yeah definitely i mean in the first one or, or in volume two i thought wow you know it was it was breathtaking when they did it and then he just uh-huh. fucking died i'm like oh that's it okay wow so uh-huh. I, I guess i'm grateful we got even this much well and that's i think that what gives us so much impact is because you had those feelings the first time of like oh we're never going to get to see Yes. Because that guy is a human, and when that happens to a human, they die. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, I guess we're both right. Yeah, so. Now, as Jessica approaches, she begins speaking. You don't ever say, I'm right. Uh, no, I would never concede such a thing. <laughs> because it never happens. <laughs> yeah. No, I just meant that both he did die, and we get a little bit more of him. Sure. You know, so can, like, you, can you give me a you're right? So either, <laughs> either interpretation of that scene is accurate. 
that's all about I mean my to interpretation say. of it. I don't really know exactly. <laughs> I bet if you start uh, being more complimentary to Ben, we'd be getting all the star ratings. <laughs> they're, they're like, it's they, just they would just be pouring in. Sammy Warmhands is too mean to Ben. That's my biggest gripe with the podcast. I, I, I thought we tag teamed on Evan. I thought that was the game, but maybe I'm wrong. All the things I read about our podcast, <laughs> <laughs> like the Forbes write up and everything. Yeah, 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 they all say what I said. You're right. See, I said it. <laughs> Okay, Jessica approaches speaking as Harvey, saying, I'm going to tear down everything your crazy family built, there's missing a comma, with the weapons that killed your parents. <laughs> everything they built with the weapons, you know, I understand it. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that yesterday when I took I, the notes. I think it's noteworthy that they don't do any crazy font stuff anymore. No. She's either not talking with the weird voice or you just, you're supposed to know it by context. Yeah, and at this point... I will inject one of my Easter eggs that was, I'm currently re-watching Heroes. It's been a lot of years since I've seen the show, and there is a multiple personality disorder character named Jessica on the show, and uh, huh. I was sort of using Allie Larder's performance a little bit in my head, because just normal text, back and forth, you know, and so I'm trying to kind of see, like, there's, there's bits where she channeled it so well because they would use reflective surfaces or all these other little tricks uh -huh. to show the two different people. But when they first just show uncut footage of her switching her face and voice from one personality to the next, it's like, ah, that's that Edward Norton shit, uh -huh. that primal fear shit. Like, yes. And so I tried to kind of imagine a little bit of that as I was rereading it the second time. It's cool. That line sounds like the kind of line that some egomaniac villain would say that just kind of ends up being sort of lackluster and falls short like with this very same implements that destroyed your parents lives you mean guns yes guns. <laughs> lots exactly. and lots of guns yeah they even threw that on there which i thought was a little much that's, but that's not good but i quoted the good part <laughs> yeah uh, you mean what <laughs> you, you bouncy balls Yes, exactly. All right, so Adrian far too easily knocks out Batman with a shovel from behind because he's, he's focused on this Jessica as Harvey thing. He's a strong old man. <laughs> Trying to he's digest He's a strong that. old man. He's a very strong old man. He's, a <laughs> he's always distracted by beautiful women, but in this case, the beautiful woman who's acting like uh, her dead brother is a little odd. No, Batman is fucked up. He likes that. That's yeah, true. that's his kink. Are you a messed up woman? Oh, yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> so here we cut back to the news footage. The streets erupt with violence, and it is narrated by this tape they're playing, submitted by Harvey Dent. Hey, it's Harvey Dent here. I let you know. It's all your fault. Harvey Dent here. Taking out the city. Commence the jingling. Yeah, I'm Harvey Dent. <laughs> I bet you all enjoying those guns on guns right now. When Batman comes to, he awakens to Adrian and Jessica both grandstanding and uh, saying, paraphrasing, you became the embodiment of the Arkham curse as Batman. They, they cut open his suit and they want to brand him to release the spirits or whatever, I wrote. And only after a second attempt at branding him does he decide okay i better break free 
Because uh-huh. as Batman, you have to believe that he's only letting him go through with this, right? I no, mean, I mean, because that's... That is what I find charming about this series. That he sucks still? (laughs) Yeah, by comparison. Because that's what makes traditional Batman both awesome, but sometimes not awesome. Wait, I'm not following. So you're saying there's times when Batman is not awesome? Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, (laughs) I might even say. Batman is never not awesome. But just in like, any time he loses, it's always like, well, here's 14 other times where we're in the same situation, (laughs) and that one... Uh, husky six foot five guy didn't take you out just because he's bigger than you. You completely kicked the shit out of him. So yeah. like, there's that element where this one, anytime he has weakness or vulnerability, I believe it. And so to me, it was like, it's hard to probably break ropes around your hand, and maybe he needed time to figure it out. And he didn't know if they were actually going to do it. But then the first time he got branded, that was a very strong motivation to like, I don't want that to happen again. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really going to get out of this. This is not, um, you know gas capsule in his tooth batman this is year one falling off the fire escape batman well i mean this batman seems even worse than year one batman because <laughs> your batman year one batman is supposed to become we show a little arc of him getting better real quick and this one is just kind of simmering in that yeah suck he stays like a really <laughs> I mean, he still fights a room full of people i mean to fight one person i think is probably i, I don't fight yeah, anyone i think it's hard gets bailed out by catwoman uh Two people fighting a room full Twice. of professional tough criminals is hard, I Including think. Including right lady. here, right here. Only after the second branding attempt does he break free. And then still, Jessica gets the drop on him and Catwoman has to save him like some fucking Dark Knight Rises shit. What book yeah, was he does it kind of suck. that starts with all the silent panels of Batman's scars in his body and the scars? Three Jokers. Stories? Three Jokers. Okay, cool. I was like, man, I hope that wasn't also somehow this series and they included a branding that they did not include. <laughs> Where's the close of the big scarlet letter on his chest? <laughs> yeah. Now you got a big old thing on your chest. I get what you're saying. I don't mind most of that stuff in this because that just, he still feels like Batman to me while at the same time being much more human yeah. in his weakness and his ability. Because that's what makes the times when he does succeed pay off to me of like, you really appreciate how tough it is to do something like that how physically challenging it would be to be him. Yeah. I mean, I know personally, because I am like that, but... Yeah, uh, from your personal experience, yeah. this is more realistic. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Gordon rushes into what's now clearly Arkham Manor with a fire extinguisher, but Bullock cannot bring himself to go back inside. I like that little nod to it, although it also negates the entire use of his character up until this point of like, okay, I, I need you to do this thing. I need you because the shit's going to go down. I really need you. They don't find Harvey. Shit goes down anyway. They finally get to the big climax and he's like, I'm going to sit in the car. See you when you're done. Yeah, there's no payoff to it. So I'm, I'm glad they did that because his character would not do that. But also, then why is he here at all? It's another thing that if this was twice as long, they could have flesh that out a little more to give it more like meaning or weight yeah maybe because we could have had a couple scenes of him like you think he's pulling it together but then he gets there and he still hasn't gotten over it so like oh the letdown but we don't get any of that yeah it's got some birthday boy flashbacks yeah (laughs) yeah that's what we need some more dead children in a pile that's (laughs) that's what i've liked that's a solid batman material (laughs) (laughs) jessica jumps slash falls off the ledge and is saved by croc Adrian melts in the fire and is revealed to have been Clayface the whole time. One, how did they take him into custody? 
Gordon hit him with the fire extinguisher before he fully melted. Oh, so. uh, there you go. Two, they cite him having layers of skin with different fingerprints on each layer. Matt Hagen, Basil Carlo, etc. They kind of run through every clay face there is. The TV news credits Batman for rounding up the arms dealers, you know, the street gangs. None of this is ever shown. We see people marching down the streets like some V for Vendetta shit, and then it's just kind of explained away in a line on the TV. And Bruce visits Jessica, who insists that she now identifies as Harvey, which I think is funny, and refuses support, essentially. Alfred cautions Bruce that people are leaving Gotham. They're fleeing as the criminals are now becoming more theatrical in response to Batman. To which Bruce points to his team, the Outsiders, as he's calling them. And we get the little montage of Croc, Catwoman, very quickly introducing Dick Grayson, Barbara suiting up. Jewish Green Goblin. And Lucius Lucius in the background. Ragman? Yeah, I don't know. Is that entirely new? Is that somebody we're supposed to... Was he a, a Jewish vigilante? I don't know, but I think he's an old DC character. What are you talking about? He has a little Star of David. Oh, the guy. I thought it was just the dude at the fucking store who got beat up. No, because they're saying, like, these are all the... We're going to need allies. This guy whose clown killed his parents and whatever about Barbara that we know. And then some people who are just doing it for themselves. And then each of them are represented in the next page. And he's the only one who I don't... Wait, the Jewish guy's in, the su- in a suit in there? He's the little green guy. Yeah. It's, it's right oh, in he's the, in the fold. If, if you have the digital version, you can Give see it that. clearly. But in he's this... He's yeah, yeah. It's Batgirl, Jewish in this? Robin, <laughs> the dog, Croc... Catwoman, Lucius in the background, and Alfred with his PowerPoint presentation, and you know Batman looming. I like the Batman looming over the top. That's yeah. cool. Are you guys ready for a little Wikipedia action? Yes. Oh shit! Ragman first appeared in the short-lived 1976 to 77 five-issue comic book series of the same name. He is one of a number of Jewish superheroes, and his continuity is tied to that of DC Comics's Gollum. Ragman was created by writer Robert. Kaniger and artist Joe Kubert. Does he look like that? I've seen Ragdoll. Yeah. On the Batman, you know, the Batman cartoon. But most importantly, yep. how did it's you like, know who Ragman is? How did that ever come up in your life? I have all these like old Marvel trading cards from back in the day, but uh-huh. I also have like a DC series and I kind of remember a Ragman from my youth. That's. You bought the uh, trading cards and then the B-Sides trading cards. (laughs) (laughs) Expansion pack. Discount box. Uh, Yeah, I thought that when they're showing that, I have no reason to think that... I I totally forgot about him. He was deep. He was in the black (laughs) hole of of memory. But but them calling him Ragman and being so purposeful about it and then then noticing... Yeah, they and, say and Ragman, the, okay. Yeah, they say Ragman. <laughs> and, uh, and then seeing him in the cave, I was like, oh, yep, uh, I kind of remember that guy. Brought something back. All right, so continuing with the epilogue here, Bruce opens up a fancy modern Arkham Asylum. Oh, also, I want to point Jesus out... Jesus Christ! No, I, the only thing I like about doing this with you is ruining your segues, I have to tell you. that's Thanks. Yeah. In that big shot we were just talking about, they have my better version of her costume right there. You see it, it's very tiny in the bottom right. It's still a little not good, but it's much closer to what I want. Yes, you're right. You're right. They they do show an an evolution of the costume. I did not realize that. They got rid of those stupid fucking tight things. You're right. Yeah, so fuck you. 
Your segues are not as important as my vital information. <laughs> In the page that's dedicated to the formation of the team, yeah. there's a the couple little blurbs about Grayson's parents, and they say that the clown mm-hmm. killed his parents. So they're Joker, I guess, or just some random clown at the circus. <laughs> it's Archie from... Um... Oh, we haven't read that yet. We will soon. Okay, so... I won't say anything. <laughs> I'm trying to find my place again, you bastard. Bruce opens a fancy modern Arkham Asylum and visits Jessica on schedule as promised. Toy Man is broken out of custody. We see him kind of in the back of a police van or something cuffed up. And he gets busted out by a voice off screen saying that he needs to kill a lot of children. And the last page is a bald Joker reveal that is the worst Joker since All-Star gave him back tattoos and an insult to uh, the three of us bald guys. I think the lesson to take from that is just don't grow your hair super long if you're bald. It doesn't. It's grotesque. And, and I don't mean the good grotesque like the new 52. In addition to his hairline and his insistence on growing his hair regardless, that felt a little walking to me with the slick back hair. Mm-hmm. And I also noted that his dress shirt is tucked into his boxers and that he's clearly <laughs> unhinged. His design is good from the neck down. Yeah. Catwoman's is good from the neck up. Yeah. So I think if you just put them together. <laughs> yeah, that outfit little, with Catwoman's head? Yeah, if you could just Frankenstein splice their bodies together, that would be Then Batman would mm, not yes. be able to resist that. Because, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, he loves the Joker. That you know, he loves her, his, his Catwoman. And yeah, that would do it. Uh, I didn't mind that, especially because it's only a splash page, and it's so... Hideous? Yeah, I did. It fit with this. I don't mean hideous, again, in, in like a, a horror way, movie like way. He, I mean, like, this is a bad idea. A bad design, yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. I, especially thinking that, like, this is the last we're going to get of it. Yeah. Whatever this Joker is, you can use your imagination from the way you've seen the rest of this universe to picture... Because that's the same thing with the yeah, shot you of could, the you team. Could, like, at the other one... It ends, and you're like, oh, shit, we're not going to get to see Catwoman, right? And then with this one, we finally get to see Catwoman, which is underwhelming. And then it ends with this Joker cliffhanger, and I think, well, at least I don't have to see (laughs) that. That's enough of that. (laughs) (laughs) But the better version of that, or the positive version of that, is that two-page splash panel of them in the cave. That's a cool Robin design. That's a cool Batgirl design. But I don't really need to see them do anything again. I can picture the future that they're going to have fighting crime. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like, here's the end. You're not going to get any more of this. Yeah, definitely. It, it seems a little weird to end with a cliffhanger, given that they wrap everything else up as if it's over. It's just that this horrible life Batman has created for himself will never end until he dies. Yeah. All right, Easter eggs, what do you guys got? Anything? Not really. I mean, just the shots toys thing, because I like, again, I, I still think Toy Man is that Japanese kid who likes tits, so... I forgot that <laughs> yeah. it's not a toy maker or whatever. I think that's funny because that was the first time we read him, and he's popped up like three times since then, yeah. you know? <laughs> I couldn't figure out what his, the tattoos, what his like, knuckle rocker tattoos Girls and boys. To... Oh, I You don't see, see the either. G of girls because it's on his thumb, I think. Hmm. Uh, okay. Um, B- but then the other thing we're going to talk about also is has Toy Man is in it or factors into it, a very different version of him, but Toy uh-huh. Maker, Doll Maker, whoever the fuck this yeah, guy is. Toy Man. <laughs> Toy Man, yeah. I think I made that note in the next episode of, like, not Toy Man, <laughs> Dollmaker, yeah. Okay, I wrote down that when they're handing out the weapons, there's a pigtailed girl with a cheek tattoo holding an RPG. Definitely looks like a precursor to Harley. Or Punchline. 
Punchline has a ponytail though, so I, yeah, I was definitely getting a Har- Harley vibe. Jessica does the animated series lip curl, the kind of Brody Dow lip curl when she's speaking as Two Face. Um, and then yeah, the other thing I mentioned was the the heroes parallel, but yeah. Anything else from you, Ev? No, mine were woven intricately into the podcast okay. at an earlier date. I love that the two-face signal is just a blank signal, half of it busted up. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. So you look in the sky yeah. and it's just like a fucked up signal. Now, was there a bat signal in the previous Earth One? Because I was thinking that this was the introduction and that by the end it was going to be reclaimed mm. as the bat signal. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. I couldn't either. So long ago. I reread both of them when I first bought this, but that was a month ago now, so I, <laughs> I don't know. Pros. What do we got for pros? Well, this is where I wanted to get more into... The cons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as we usually do. Yes. I don't want to follow your instruction. <laughs> um, that, And I appreciated it even more on the second time through when I already knew that Adrian Arkham is Clayface. Both... I really like how that character is written because if you think of him as he's like a failed actor or that's part of the character, he sold it. I mean, every step of the way, I believed like, oh, this is a crazy old man. This is his, this is his grandfather. He is mentally ill and he has all this tragic backstory and this and that. And then seeing that through the light of knowing that he's not that, both in terms of like he's faking it, but also how much of it is Jessica who knows that Bruce is Batman, knows his family history, knows the mental illness there, and the two of them just concocted this whole story because they know Bruce would buy into it and they could get under his skin and they could yeah. twist him and manipulate him and all the theatrics of getting on the roof and all that stuff. And then I didn't even think about it until you were describing it. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an inverse thing. I, I hated it once you said it. No, yeah, the, yeah, okay. As he's describing the whole thing that happened to his mother that she had a twin in the womb named Bruce and he yes. died. And because of that, that screwed her up and doomed the whole city. We're like... That's like some Lincoln March shit where you're like, well, is that real then or not? And even more like, that's just... To me, that seems like Jessica concocted that story because that's her story. And she's trying to project it onto him to make him feel the guilt and all the pain of like... The loss of the twin drove her mad and did this and that and all oh, that kind of. Fuck. Okay. And that's more like that. It's even just bullshit. She's just like trying to guilt him and make him feel what she feels, even though she doesn't even think she's her. She thinks she's Harvey. I like that. But the question then is is she that self aware right after all this shit happened to her? But that's pretty clever. She might not even necessarily realize the parallel of it. Yeah. But that's the story she has fed and that they've come up with. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, I have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> what about this? No, he it, would it, hate it this. Yeah. It's either brilliant or that's the story that she naturally concocts through these circumstances. That's just the first thing that comes to her mind. Oddly, I wonder why. Hmm. I give that a bigger pro to the way they treated her character. I yeah. like this version of Two-Face because it, it's the perfect reimagining of a character and that it hits all the same beats of like some kind of physical trauma halfway but a much more extreme internal trauma the obsession with duality and halves and splits and twins not in the same way that regular two-face has but in another believable way that's interesting for the character that keeps popping up in her story she genuinely seems split it doesn't seem like an act or anything like that she's torn between these two extremes it's just a little too gilda dent twist for me 
They that, do such a good job of hammering it home, giving you all these little hints, but like anyone could pick up on all these little hints, you know, like uh-huh. something's actually with her, right? And then when we see Two-Face, it's like, oh, shit, okay, they're bringing him back. This is fucking great. And so I was actually disappointed when they did the whole Gilda twist and made it made it her... I don't know. It felt like you're sort of getting a glimpse of what's in her head, but it makes you question like, okay, well, what is real? She's in the passenger seat of a car that's driving. She's looking at this other thing. We see his fucking head turning. So, like, I know we're seeing from her perspective, but, like, it just it puts so many more questions in when he turned out to be dead. Well, some of those are cons for me, but, like, the biggest one to me, there's two. It's the phone calls which I suppose could just be pre-recorded. But the biggest one by far is seeing the body standing in front of her car. The phone calls are Clayface. That's my stance on that. Because when I first read it, I was like, well, what the fuck about the phone calls then? Mm -hmm. They both heard his voice. It's his real fucking voice. And also we're to believe that this female person can do an exact male clone voice. You know, like, I'm sorry, but I've heard... My wife tried to do a fucking deep voice imitation, and it is comical. That's a double misdirect, because when she really does it, you'll never know. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. There was that one time she called and pretended to be Ben Polanski. (laughs) But no, like, there's just too much, well, what about X, Y, and Z with with this version? I don't think it's that bad, but I agree with you in general. But, like, I didn't get any sense that they were driving when she was talking to him. They, I didn't get any sense that they were either, and yet they changed location. Yeah, it's like they drove there, and then she put his body in the seat. She's fucking nuts, is what you're Yeah, you're right. She would, have, she would have had to move him. He, Batman pulled him out of the fucking driver's seat where he was previously when they were parked. So she would uh-huh. have had to have that conversation stationary up against that fucking fence in whatever parking lot, move the body, drive all the way there, move the body back, continue her conversation, and then be pulled out of the car. But the vibe I get from it, and I think what makes it not work as well is because the series isn't long enough and they've crammed so much in there that they shot themselves in the foot with it. But it just it's like Psycho. Where That's Psycho has a whole bunch, sense. yeah. It's like the like, oh well, you do see his mother, so it must be his mother. And it's not till the end you see that like it's a combination of uh, spoilers for anyone who doesn't know the story yeah. of Psycho. Something about uh, what 50, 60 years yeah. late. I don't know. But moving his mother's body around and dressing up like her, but in those times when he's there with her, he he does feel like she is there. He is seeing her there. So like, none of that bothered me. It just felt like it wasn't executed well enough. It's just one of those things where you are getting into the story and then you start to be too aware of the writing. Uh-huh. You start to be too aware of them going like, okay guys, so we need to come up with a twist that nobody's going to see coming. All right, so how do we do this? And what's our misdirect? And how do we, you know, and it just seems to like, they were so caught up in the characters previously, re-examining their motivations and, and injecting some real heart and humanity in there. And so this one just felt too removed from those things, you know? Yeah. It feels empty by comparison to the first two. I think some of it's the novelty. The novelty has worn off a bit. It's still great, but I mean, it just, it was so fresh, those first two, and now it's more of the same, which is not as fresh. But also, part of the excitement of the first two is seeing him become Batman. And he's still learning at this point, but that doesn't factor into it all that much, other than seeing him fail at things. There's not like, I failed and now I'll learn. It's just, I failed, 
And yeah. that's not really a, an aspect of this story is him getting better or improving his skills other than the, some of the team building stuff by the end of it. Yeah. I was very surprised when they introduced this character, Jessica Dent. And I remember wondering like where they were going with that. It's, it's, you know, it's two faced with a twin and they're both into politics and, you know, he ends up dying and it gives Bruce a tie to Harvey at a young age through a proxy. But I just, I, I don't know. I didn't love where they took it. I get the trauma thing, but there's just too many, like, what about the voice? What about the moving the body? What about, I do believe that Clayface could have easily made those, those calls because once they establish who it is, I also think, though, there should have been a fucking panel that shows the perspective of those previous scenes well, you, with those phone calls. Well, you get Barbara going, it didn't come from Harvey. Yeah, and then... Nothing tells you that it was Clayface. And you I don't want you to know it then because you want to keep ramping up as you figure it out, but I do want to know it in the epilogue. I want to see as he's figuring it out. Oh, shit. Well, then he's, that means... He's got these fingerprints and it turns out he was the one calling in this, like, just some sort exactly, of nod to it. Exactly. There was just something missing from the, the conclusion, you know? My other big pro is uh, just the art. I still love Gary Frank's art. It's fantastic. I think if all comics had this art, I think this is my preferred style for comic book art, is this. Some of, like, the more um, abstract stuff is cool and the more traditional cartoony stuff, but this realistic style... Is probably my favorite style. I don't know why you're grinning. I fully agree with you. I love this stuff. Because it's not. I do love it, but I just said this last time about the super stylized. Oh, yeah, um, you're right. <laughs> uh, no, I do love Gary Frank's art. It, you think I listen to you? No, no. That's a deep cut joke for the me who listens to it. Um, <laughs> but even though I think I do at this point, I am kind of leading more towards that stylized classic comics art. Gary Frank's artwork is stunning, and the colors are stunning. Oh, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any pros? Because we just talked for four minutes, five minutes. <laughs> my pros are also the artwork. So, yeah. I mean, if you were going to segue out of that, my pros are also the artwork. It's just stunning. I've said it uh, on the previous Earth One episode. I've said it on this one. Just it, beautiful. The faces, the expression, the emotion. I like to treat the podcast like it's just you guys on the podcast and I have a private screening of it before everybody else. <laughs> it's like a Q&A where you just like... Yeah. <laughs> Might I interject? I'll just, yeah, I'll just stir the pot if I can. I wrote pro consistency. It does all the same things in regards to art. It doesn't it doesn't falter in any way with the imagery. It maintains that caliber of visual the entire yeah. time. You guys are talking about Jessica and that's kind of a weird move, but one I loved that what Frank did especially he's so good at expressions and it really got to show when Jessica is sort of transformed in the end and she's making all these scary snarly faces like damn like he was really he was really flexing his muscles there I felt like to take this slightly more simplified feminine face and then where's all these details gonna come in how can I really make her look scary and he pulled it off that shot where right before Bruce gets branded and it's like from an under angle under her face and she's illuminated by the flames oh, and she's yeah, looking do down. It again. Yeah, that's do that again. That was such a such a nice panel. <laughs> that's funny that you say that because I was like they don't include her chin in that. And I was thinking that it's so funny that some things are just universally creepy and something about like the under 
half eye, only the top of your eye will like never not be scary for some reason. It's yeah. just an image that always works. And my pros were large or my cons, sorry, were largely just that I kind of like you're hinting at Sam. I just felt like there was a whole lot. It, like I can't tell were all the things in the previous two books, were they freaking awesome or were they just unexpected? And then by the time you get to book three, are these as good or not as good as all those other previous things? You've and learned the rhythm seems, at this point. Yeah. And now it seems like a gimmick instead. Like I know that the artwork is fantastic, but now I feel like you're trying to hold this entire thing up by just presenting the unexpected all the time. And I never yeah. really liked those whole like, this is what the audience wants to see and this is what they expect. And so I got to deliver that like over and over and over. If there isn't going to be any more of these, I'd prefer not to have like a Joker ending because then it's just another thing that I would put in the same pile of like the audience wants a cliffhanger. Like, well, I'm not that stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if you want to have awesome reveals, like make them awesome reveals, make the costumes dope. A lot of this stuff, two face, getting melted and he's like penguin as that character early on. Some of those things did come across to me really as cool, but now three books in, it feels a little contrived. Maybe I, it, it seems, I think gimmicky seems, was the right word. Yeah. It seems intentional for the wrong reasons. Kind of. I hate to <laughs> just bash on it, but it's sort of, um, you could draw the parallel, uh, with three jokers because again, that was, a very entertaining book, but with a really dumb premise. You know, uh -huh. this was also a very entertaining book, but with kind of a dumb, twisty point to it. Yeah, uh -huh. it's a shame because I, I really do like Jessica Dent. I think that's a cool character. I like the reinvention of it that way. But yeah. but as you were talking, like it would have been neat to just have Two Face come back and be that fucked up Crypt Keeper guy. Uh -huh. and, have yeah. that be yeah, that would have been and, cool. And she's the mayor, and she's fighting for good, and. Then that conflict, that dynamic, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to, and uh, sure, the, maybe that's just the easy thing. Oh, a comic character died, but he didn't really die. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm married to this idea. I'm just saying that they didn't quite stick the landing with this. And if you're, if you're going to do female as male vocally, there's no like phantasm you know, okay, I'm wearing a mask and a thing that's modulating and creating this, you know, there's nothing. It's just, you're just supposed to buy it and I don't buy it. Or maybe, I mean, you could say anytime anyone ever talked to Harvey in this, it was Clayface. Yeah. And anytime she does it, it doesn't sound like him, but those aren't the times that... Yeah, but it's not like she's fucking miming it to Batman and Clayface is throwing his voice, you know, as Adrian, you know, mm. like, it's just, it's there, it's on screen, close up in her face, so... There, there's a way they could have done it, and it wasn't quite there for me. My cons is, is just that it's, it's too messy. There's some ideas there. You know, the way that they construct the page and move through the story is, is very skillful. I like this world. Catwoman's hot. Selena's hot. Catwoman's not. <laughs> no, I, I just think the colors and the... the, colors and you the, like that little leg muscle in the splash page You can there. see a butt on <laughs> <from> the front. <laughs> All right, uh, trifecta. What do we have for detective? 
It's like everybody uh-huh. else does the detective work. That's that was yeah, my note no. exactly. Is that no. Alfred and Croc and Barbara do the heavy lifting? That was like I found a tunnel under my property. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go hang out there. Ninja. Yeah, those again for being a Batman who's not as amazing as regular comics universe Batman. I love the way the artwork showcases again how physically impressive and demanding it is to do the things he does to fight that many people the way he does it i have a slightly different perspective in my notes i just wrote that he has to get saved by catwoman twice and is easily knocked out and captured at the end yeah (laughs) i think that's Um, that's more is more realistic even if you're amazing like it's hard to fight a bunch of people you know you never did learn to mind your surroundings (laughs) (laughs) shovel I would say family tree trauma for sure. Yeah. It's all woven together. Uh-huh. The mental illness, family history stuff. Because I don't think Batman was ever like, oh, maybe this curse is real. He doesn't strike me as a guy who buys into that. Curse. It, it actually curse. seems like he's, he's getting along pretty well. He's quick to assemble a team. He's quick to trust and lean on people. His grandpa, his grandpa shows up and... <laughs> Dead grandpa. And he's helping him. This isn't somebody in the midst of uh, struggling with their own trauma, I don't Uh, feel like. He seems like somebody who is equipped to help others already. Sure. That's true. He really did take to heart Jessica's ask of him to really step up and try to make a difference. I I do like that. That's more stuff that could have been fleshed out, their relationship. Because it's building on what we saw before, so they can kind of lean on that, but... Yeah, because that factors into this so much that would have been nice to have more of that. Maybe the biggest flaw here is just that they tried too much with the limited story capacity that they had to work with. I was going to say, I don't know why in preliminary stuff they have a meeting and they're like, we would like to cover these dozen things. But then they all acknowledge that there's only six issues to work with, and maybe that's a little too much. And yeah. so they cut it down and explore the other stuff with more depth. It's just weird, the stuff to me that gets signed off on. It's cool. They'll be so caught up in the big reveals and twists that they won't notice any of this other stuff. Well, I think when you're being creative and you're making something, you don't know how it's going to be until you get to the end. And sometimes, especially with a big commercial work, you've already committed so much that you can't go back. You can't backpedal. You can't change things. So you just have to commit to it. And even then, I mean, you might not... They might have got to the end of this and been like, that's fucking awesome. This is exactly the story I wanted to tell. This artwork was great, and that's great. And it just didn't resonate with us, but maybe it did with other people. But I mean, I, I do think that's the biggest part of it is just the realities of trying to create something that other people are gonna like. I mean, there's no guarantee... Yeah, and I think that's fair because I don't believe art should be created with the audience in mind. I believe that it just should be true to, you know, whatever your vision of it is. And so I don't think that everything has to be for me in order to be good on its own merit. I think there's definitely a lot of good stuff in this, and I wouldn't dissuade anyone from reading it, but... It's fun to just talk about what we would do differently, you know, if sure. we had our say. Because, 
you know, like you mentioned, you can't just go and redraw everything and, and change the ending. You know, it's, you know, Hollywood does reshoots after test screenings and shit. Comics don't do that, you know, and we have like Three Jokers is a great example where it sat on the shelf forever. And Johns and Fabok were like, you know, what if we change this page? And they actually did redo a couple little things because it was just sitting there forever. They knew they had as much time as they needed. And, you know, once they got their other obligations out, then this would finally come out. This is also one of those that waited so long, it's not part of continuity. Well, they missed the boat on the hype. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. When I reread it today, it was reading it the way I often used to read comics, where, like, I would... I'm basically just reading it like a book. I'm glancing over at the images just to kind of orient myself, my yeah. visual image, but I'm not really examining it or going close with it. But I do think a, one of the biggest things that draws people to comics is just the art, how cool the art is. And oh, yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's more like 25% is the story or the, the reason for it existing. 75% is the art, is to see the visuals of it. That's true, because I don't often think about... <laughs> <laughs> so bad, but you know it's true. I don't often think about other people's perspective on what, like how their approach might be different in enjoying something than mine. You're not thinking about other people? Ever, no. Okay. But I, <laughs> their I feelings and thoughts? I don't think about them when I'm creating my art. <laughs> like I just said, I think you should never consider your audience. But uh, yeah, you know, that, that could be true. That there's probably a lot more people who... You know, Evan said that before, like, hey, I just want to see cool shit and I'll follow this artist even in subjects I'm not interested in because I like their style. And that's great. But, you know, like (laughs) you were just saying, you're more story. I feel like I'm much more character in story. And so if we miss those things, then it could just be like a poster book. Why are we doing this story yeah. Well, that's what I <laughs> say know? about movies. Like there are a lot of movies, many of the ones we've watched, that would make awesome thirty-five minute music videos. <laughs> Just like pick some cool music and yeah. yeah cut, I, cut I remember the best you parts. advocating for watching the Seal, Kissed by a Rose, or whatever instead it is, of Batman uh, Forever. Instead of Batman Forever, you, yeah. you, you feel more emotions. And yeah. You get the idea what the movie's about, what it looks like. Yeah, it's true. It, I mean, it's it's much shorter and easier to digest. Okay, rating. Ben's going to say something low. Evan, what do you have? I will say three and a half. Fair. That's exactly what I'm going to say, three and a half. Wow. And I I do want to say that I think, because sometimes I forget that the scale, for me at least, is one to five. So there were a couple two and a halves, particularly the Detective Comics one about Orphan and, and Shiva. Yeah. Should have been a three instead of a two and a half. Thank it was, you for expressing your regret. Yeah, that's what I'll say. But, I tried to lay on the guilt really hard so that we would circle back to it later. The, uh, but three and a half. I, that's how I feel about this. Especially because I, I thought the other two were fives. And I stand by that. And this is the same quality in general, but just the story and the characters are not quite there. But yeah. it's still entertaining. I had fun with it. I'm going to give it a three. I think that... The artwork is easily a four or above. I think with the way the story wrapped up, that that's closer to like a two, honestly, for me. Uh-huh. So I think it's kind of dead in the center that they balance each other out a little bit. Makes sense. But again, that's coming off of, I think, unanimous fives from Earth One, Volume One and Two. Yeah. So M. Night Shyamalan, that's the perfect example mm. in the sense of like, what made his movies fresh and exciting and genuinely enjoyable 
entertainment experiences got old. Mm. Uh-huh. And this is not that bad, but like it just became the same kind of like, oh, you know, there's a twist, you know, it's going to be this, you know, it's that, where like it was cool the first couple times, but once you saw that it was the same thing and there was nothing new added, it just it got less and less interesting. I don't think this is this that bad, but that's what it makes me think of. I think that's I would I liken it to the long Halloween versus dark victory. Dark victory in many ways is better. And you guys rated it better, I believe. And in that one too, I actually thought, yeah, but it's the same thing, <laughs> uh, you know? So I, I get where you're coming from. And, and on that note, perfect time to mention, they just announced the long Halloween 2021. It's coming back. Original team is back. Loeb and Sale, I look forward to a that. A comic book? Yeah. Oh. I'm looking forward to watching that cartoon. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. I'm, I'm waiting for Volume 2 because I, I hope that they do what they did with Dark Knight Returns because they, they did Volume 1 and they're going to do Volume 2, but I hope that they do a seamless deluxe edition because I'd much, I'd much rather just watch the long one. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warman. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We always appreciate it. If you like the show, do us a favor and share this to your stories. You can follow us at BatFanAddict, A-D-D-I-C-T, on Instagram. And please give us that five-star rating. If you have the time, it takes a few seconds, and it makes a big deal to us if you go to use your iPhone app. All right, we are going to continue the... DC Animated Universe. Last time we did Son of Batman. This time we're doing the sequel, Batman versus Robin. Okay, so we're going to go more into the Damian Wayne story. And it was a really fun episode. So stay tuned for Batman versus Robin. <laughs>